This podcast was created during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Fortunately for us, the WGA seems to have reached a tentative agreement with AMTPT. However, SAG-AFTRA has not yet. So please continue to support the Entertainment Community Fund. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thanks. Queen Morgays of Andor has issued the following proclamation. The following discussion will include spoilers from the Wheel of Time books by Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson. We ask that you read those books so that our discussion does not spoil you. You have been warned, so it is written, so shall it be done. Hey everybody, welcome back to Bustin' Blockbusters. Matt here with you. Thanks for joining me and Priscilla and Chris, who will be along with me shortly. We still have many topics to discuss from our recordings from earlier, and you're getting that in this part two. This one more about the adaptive changes that happened in season two, as well as some reckless speculation regarding how that can lead to other things in season three as well. This might be my last podcast on the Wheel of Time for a while until we get some more significant news. I might also, though, do one more kind of season three outline podcast, just a solo cast where I'll be talking about how I think they can adapt the story for Season 3, kind of further extending upon these conversations. It has been a pleasure to hear from the Wheel of Time fandom and to serve the Wheel of Time fandom with my opinions, some of them unpopular, but I'm glad that you took the time to listen to them. And don't forget that my door is always open as far as feedback goes at Bust Blockbuster on the site, formerly known as Twitter. You can send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. You can, of course, leave comments on the YouTube videos for Double P Media. That's youtube.com slash at the word double, the letter P, the word media. And you can use the word double, the letters PHQ, to contact them via socials as well. Priscilla also has a YouTube channel. Please check it out youtube.com slash at Priscilla TV one final note. If you're into the television series or the Netflix series, I guess I should say called the crown, please check out one of my other feeds podcast little bit where we cover that show. We will be covering it almost in real time. Probably about a week after the part one airs, we'll be starting to give you episodes covering those And if you're on the Double P Media YouTube, you'll find them here. So please be sure to subscribe, like the videos, and hit that notification bell so that you get alerted every time Double P Media puts out a video. As my friend John McGonagall likes to say, hit that notification bell, yo. And there's lots of stuff coming down the pike that Bubba, and hopefully once the strike is over, Catfish will return Again, thanks for your patience. I know I'm not as funny as Catfish. And I suppose that's about it for podcast business. Remember that this particular podcast will be very book-centric. In fact, 
you probably ought to know that we might refer to storylines that go all the way through the series, everywhere from Eye of the World to Memory of Light. That's heavy book spoilers, heavy, heavy book spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled about things, this particular podcast might not be for you. And we're going to jump right in here with Chris and Priscilla on the tiny wheel of topics, which will be covering adaptation choices and speculations. So uh, I, I have a whole bunch of topics written down here. We do what we call the tiny wheel of topics where we spin a wheel and then wherever it lands is where we talk. So let's spin the wheel. And the writing on the wheel, Chris, is always so small that I can never actually read it. So this is where I'm going to depend on your vision to tell me what it's what that wheel says. The arches. Yeah, let's talk about Nynaeve and the tests and the arches. Because that is, so uh, by a lot of people's standard, and if you still kind of go by audience reaction on Twitter slash X, that was one of the best and better episodes. I personally absolutely loved that episode. It was amazing. Um, and a lot of people, other people did as well. What about you? What, what were your thoughts on that? I love that they made it more about her personal journey rather than mm-hmm. some kind of mystical thing. My heart broke when she ran through with that little girl and then that yeah. little girl wasn't there anymore. I mean, I was destroyed. I probably more destroyed than she was. And again, I'm not <laughs> a parent. So, you know, I can only imagine what it, that kind of thing is like for a parent to watch. But it, it was a wonderful exploration into her, into her character. Um, she did turn away from the arch in, in the third test. So that, that all worked for me. All of that adaptation worked wonderfully for me and was actually better, in my mm. opinion, than what I got out of the book from that. It's completely right. It made it better. Like, I remember, really, really remember. The only thing that I think they kept, like, in, t- in emotionally terms, is, like, the solemnity of the whole thing, not the whole, uh, the procedures that they go through. Mm-hmm. I really like, it's very, uh, there are some very strict rules. They have, they have like, uh, these things that they have to say. Um this I really like it, and I think that they translated very well to the screen. But boy, it was emotional. It was emotional. Whereas in the books, uh, you don't feel you don't feel half of it. Like right. it's just like it's just a test. Right. Uh, yes. In the in the TV series, it's like it's a life changing event. Yeah, I'm the same. They were lent into the different variations of what this could be about the tests, the test aspect of the arches. Um, but they still kept the, the the overall beat, if you want to call it that, the, the t- turn away, don't turn away type of thing. I, I look, I for me, as I said, like I, I really enjoyed how they did this. I think what they'll do for the like anyone else what they're going to do for the columns which again like is are the arches it depends on where you land on are the arches a parallel universe are the arches a dream are they just an hallucination what are the arches and then the same with the columns are they are you just living the past are you in the past are you in the future what are what are you seeing there, and what what are those kind of what is the one power doing to you? So right. I'd be interested to see how they kind of do the rest of that as well. Exactly. Yeah. I uh, this might uh, 
give us a little bit, these arch things might give us a little bit of the foreshadowing of the columns in, in Radiance. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you saying that. In The Great Hunt, Perrin does not actually kill Joffrey Bornhold. Um, and in fact, is Dane even there to witness it? I can't remember what happens there. But he obviously he blames Perrin. But they've really ramped this up to a point where it's going to be super dramatic in season three. They're in, you know, Emmons Field yep. in the two rivers. Um, did you like that change? Because I, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I personally did, because essentially they've now made Perrin white cloak enemy number one. Like, and really, then when we get Emmons Field versus the white cloaks with file. Fail, fail, Fali. Yeah. They assumed his wife, his soon-to-be wife. Right. <laughs> um, when you get all that and the Emmons Fielders and that whole banner and this, like, you're going. Also, now we're going to get the hammer versus the axe. Like, all of those bits have seemed just a bit more ramped up. In he actually did do the deed. Like, it's not like he thought it. Also, the whole thing of his actual wife being dead now, that big change from season one. Like, right. death has followed twice Yeah, of this man. They're, they're going to lean into Perrin struggling with this. With Is he dark? Is he evil? Is he... Which we get a lot of in the books as well. Like, he, right. he's not sure, is he actually a good... An agent of good or agent of evil... Like, are the Wolf Brothers good or bad? Is Elias actually telling the truth? At least they already established that Dane likes to drink a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> they are not going to be friends. And I was expecting some level of ambiguity with what Perry would do to Daddy Bornhold. Yeah. But there is no big of what happened. He None. killed his daddy in front of his eyes, in front of the, the son's eyes. And it's so all thanks to no Child way. Valda. It's all thanks to Child Valda, Priscilla. If it hadn't been for Child Valda, Dane would not be able to see the evil person that Perrin is. <laughs> Child Valda. It's like Wherever he goes and Perry is, there is a tragedy about to happen. If these two characters, they are sharing the same, they don't even need to exchange words. They, they just need to, to be in the, same, in the same room. You know it's going down, and I love it. And his exactly. hatred will grow and grow. I, that's how we like our child Valda. We must have child Valda get more mad about something every time. Absolutely. But God, when you talked about when the baby died, yeah. or the baby disappeared in the naive episode, when the hopper was killed and right. he hopped into the into the ether, I. I Jesus, that was just like I was like any animal being hurt. I'm always like, oh, don't do that. This was like, oh God, that really that was powerful, and I think that kind of also will ramp up. So yeah, that's personally I I I did enjoy it, and I think it will add a bit more oomph to the following season of versus the white books. And I'm trying to remember because it's been a while since I've read Eye of the World, but did Perrin actually kill one of those white cloaks? 
even if it was somewhat accidentally, um, when him him and Egwene were escaping from yes. them. Yes, yeah, they. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, um, so. because he. That's why the questioner um, was so up against. He was like, "Well, you brought the wolves against right. us. You are evil. You are a dark friend. You killed right. the child of the light." Yada yada yada. Exactly. So they've just put a higher profile name on it, and yeah. uh, it, it's still re wolf related. It all still works really well. Um, but it's got, I, to me, it feels like it's going to have to put a little bit of a new spin on how fierce Dane is. Mm. I mean, even in the books, he still sincerely believes that it's parents' fault that his father is dead. So maybe it won't change it that much. But to actually witness it, that's, to me, a little bit more traumatic. Yeah. And it, I think it's going to be... Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they'll actually do, how they'll do the 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 inevitable face off. Yeah, but also you can, you're gonna make him the. What are you gonna do with the other well-known white cloak that comes later in the books, like versus parent and how that all works off. One of the things that um, is weird for me because I totally loved, I totally loved Egwene having the agency to free herself, you know despite the fact that there might be some implications of, well, if she was still a Damani, could she actually do that or not? Because I still don't know how Egwene would be able to treat her Suldam that way uh -huh. while she was still collared herself. I mean, maybe there's a way, but I haven't figured it out yet. I really think that the whole training had Egwene develop like so um, walls of her when she's in pain. Mm. You know, I really think while Rina was there comfortable torturing Egwene, Egwene was toughing up, toughing up, toughing up, toughing up. Okay, so it was really... I think it was just a, a show of like, Rina was a bully, right. and bullies are uh, often very weak. When they are confronted with violence, like okay. yeah, they are often very coward. So Egwene took it, all the beatings, everything, all the humili humiliation, and started building her strength from there. So she could withstand more pain than Rina in the end. Rina couldn't. So in other words, it's not that Egwene wasn't experiencing it; it's just that she had been toughened up. Yeah, yeah, because that's what Rina says to her. You cannot do this. I'm if you die, you die too. And Egwene's like, no, you die. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can accept that. But the one thing that I have was a drawback. As a, you need Egwene to do this if you're a television show, she must have the agency to, to free herself. I believe in that. But the one drawback from that was the fact that it really diminished Nynaeve and Elaine's story in the finale, to me. You know, there's nothing now for them to do, <laughs> and to me, except have Elaine get shot with an arrow, have Nynaeve forget that you must break off the feathers before you shove the arrow through. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, not forget about that. that yeah, she, she just made, she left a few diseases inside, you know? It's just a, just a small infection. I'm sure that Egwene can turn around and then cure 
Elaine. Uh, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Uh, and it does establish Nynaeve's block. So I'm all good with all of that. But I, it just felt like I, I, because Nynaeve had had such a great section earlier in the season, just not even as a book reader, but I just wanted as a TV fan to see all of my characters really participating in this finale. Yeah. And it, and if I felt a little cheated is all I'm saying. And it's not bad, just not badly, but I did feel a little cheated by that. Otherwise, yeah, no, I loved that. it. I, I just think personally, I, I, I really, I personally loved what they did with Egwene. Um, Nynaeve, not so much. <laughs> that yeah. just, the, the, multiple panning shots where she just didn't still channel and essentially did nothing and she just has that block. I was just expecting something more. I was just I was like, come on, just like push through, show her the, the value. Tug your brain, darn it. Yeah, like literally anything. <laughs> but uh she did nothing. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Sure, I know why, and I understand where you're probably gonna go. I think, and see, like she has to learn to channel properly. She nearly killed her friends, and now she has to overcome that in season three. You've given her her mountain to climb in season three now, and she will. She'll overcome it, of course, or she won't. Again, she... I don't know where they're going with it. I think they may even, yeah, it's so hard to see when they're gonna like literally remove her block. One of the other things uh, about Nynaeve and Elaine is the fact that Rima has already given them Aes Sedai rings to care for, probably, you know, expecting that they would take them back to the tower. But as we know in the books, Nynaeve and Elaine use rings that they get uh, in order to impersonate Aes Sedai, right? So are they going to play that line off of these rings? I still... You know, we know that they filmed some stuff for season three back at the Arches, which implies Elaine and Egwene need to get themselves out of the novice list and up into the accepted list, to me. Unless they just have something else happen there that has nothing to do with either of them, which would be weird. But this also allows them to go straight to Tanchico from here. If they get word from Swan, you know, find the Black Aja or whatever. I think they have to go back to the tower to get that order from Swan before Swan loses the seat. But uh, what do you think about um, the what idea that is it just something that they've planted so that they can uh, do whatever they want as far as Nynaeve and Elaine being in the position that they are in the books? Tanchico were number of places. I don't think we're going to get a circus. Darn it. But um, and we certainly won't have Uno around. Darn it. Well, I don't anymore. think a hero of the horn's <laughs> going to go to the circus. But, um, you know, what did you think about uh, those changes for 90 I think I think exactly what you're thinking is going to happen. I think they may go back first, and then the Amelin will kind of go, they'll try and hand the rings over, and the Amelins go, no, I didn't see these. Maybe when you, when I send you on your special journey maybe you look maybe you use them but i didn't see this and she's a bit more jupiterless versus net right now kind of like she's a lot more there's a again there's the there is this change between the book and the kind of um 
in the show in that she's a bit more in the weeds with Moraine on some of this, whereas this in the in the show they've kind of broke that bond already almost. Well, they've severed the bond at the end. Um and very much set them on separate sides. But I think that's what we'll we'll see somewhat. I think that that's where they may go go hunt for these people for me. Um, because I, I can't trust anyone else, but you fought a, a Forsaken. I can trust you. I hope that's where they're going. Because again, yeah, like, yeah, we're not going to get the circus. Yeah, we're not going to get some, we're going to get some chapters. But they're going to take beats from it because like, look in season two, when they were going after the horn, we didn't get all of the stops for the hunt of the horn, but we did get the death of the fade. We yeah. did get a few of those bits, but they kind of also just fast-tracked some of it as well. That's true. All right. So, uh, Priscilla, we've already talked about, you haven't read Tanchico, so I don't know how to talk to you about this. Um, but do you think it's possible that Nynaeve and Elaine will go around impersonating Aes Sedai? Have you read that far? Yeah, I think it's possible. They're definitely going to, to do stuff in season three together, the three of them, or the two of them, right? Yeah. I'd say the two of them more so than the three of them. This begins kind of a separation between Egwene and Nynaeve and Elaine. And Nynaeve and Elaine go through their whole series of their own kind of adventures, while Egwene kind of goes off with the Aiel more in these following books. Mm-hmm. So... How how far they'll they'll get into that? If they are going to Ruidian, that indicates like the columns where you find out the real story behind the history of the Aiel, and it indicates uh, mm-hmm. the miracle of the rain as well. So, will they get that far in season three? I don't know. Uh, if they're going to have a really big parent episode and a really big grand episode, the same way they did with Egwene and Nynaeve this year. Um, mm-hmm. they, it will be fun to see how they explore that stuff. So we are not going to see the tower, do you think? I think we almost have to. I think we have to have... We're going to see less. We are going to see less of the tower. I think that may be the case. I think that may be the case, Priscilla, because I do think that we have to have the coup. I think that mm-hmm. we have to have uh, Elida come from Camelon. The, the tower is up raw, in, in, in up raw. When Swan gets there, it's like it's chaos. Things are happening, right? Absolutely. But I don't want the Swan in the series. How is she going back to the tower? Maybe the the whole thing will be because of what happened in the season two with Rand running away with Moraine and stuff and blah, 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 and not... Exactly. What if the coup doesn't happen at the tower itself, but rather happens in Carrion? Swan is recovering. Min is still mm-hmm. in Carrion. Loghain is still in Carrion. Uh, and Leanne is still in Carrion. The four of them can escape from Carrion just as easily as they can escape from the tower. Mm-hmm. Witness speculation. Witness speculation. Next topic is uh, what do we do about Barthanis? 
Uh, are we going to just assume that he's now in pieces in the cell as opposed to in his room? Yes. <laughs> okay, so he is dead. I, I I think he's dead. I or at least he he'll he'll be talk, he'll be talked about. But what what happened in the, the city and what's going to continue to happen with the game of houses and all that stuff? I think it will somewhat play into it into season three, and yeah. um, because. Ran needs to learn more about the Daystamir. He needs to learn about the Illuminators. We need to go back. Um, but let's see. Your boy Barthanis. Dead or no? Come on. I don't know. My heart says he's dead. Do we need Barthanis for season three? What would Barthanis do in season three? No. Let's be honest. Well... The story does eventually return to Karin, so I think it would be cool. And if we're going to have Anavir a little bit, I think it would be cool to see Barthana somehow get out of this thing and him and Anavir patch up somehow and Barthanis be playing a role <sighs> when they return to Karin. Uh, come on. Do you think good old Anavir would forgive a son who was willing to kill her after everything she did? That's an excellent point. I concede. I don't think he's dead, though. I'm going out on a limb. Not dead. Okay, he's just, not dead. Not dead, just so that Priscilla can see him on screen again. I did enjoy the idea of giving Rosamund Pike something to do as your lead actress, of course. But, as you said earlier, the land story suffered a great deal uh, any final thoughts about the land and moraine storyline okay i think it's very difficult and I, I i as usual when baba is with us i stumble a little bit because i keep laughing at the things he says and then i cannot coordinate my thoughts but anyway, wait a minute said, wait wait, wait whoa wait, wait 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 are you saying i'm not funny is that what you're saying? Fired. What? Fired. You call him Bubba funny. You say you can't you concentrate funny. because of him. You have your but hat. But I'm not. You're mad with a hat. Yeah, you're funny. Mm. But you because have of the an hat. obsession. You don't have an obsession with violence. <laughs> you're, not, you're not demanding that Landa do something during a, an emotional moment. <laughs> like... <laughs> Why couldn't he have been, like why that. couldn't they have anyway. been bonded while Lan was killing people? I mean, why did they have to stand still? Why did they have to spend five minutes doing that when he could have been killing people at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> he was losing it. Look, I don't get it how the relationship between Lan and Nynaeve will ever top what happened between uh, Moraine and Lan. Because, like, the moment Alana comes to Lan and says, hey, Lan, you know your girl I need, that your hookup? Well, she's very powerful. You know, in a year or two, or maybe six months, who knows, she will be a nice guy and you can bond with her. How about that? How about that? And I was like, ah, I don't want to bond with I need. I was like, what? What is going on? So even though 
he can have everything with Nynaeve, our boy Land, he wants to be with Moraine. So when we get to that bit, we, uh, they are together and they are bonding. We understand they are like twin brothers or something, you know. So I, do, I don't understand going forward the whole relationship with Nynaeve after what we witnessed. I'm like, Len is completely devoted, obsessed with Moraine. I think the adaptation reflected a lot of what Lan and Nynaeve's relationship is through the first six books of the series. Lan is very distant. Okay. So, this but is... I'm, ta- I'm, I'm talking about like the future. How are they going to top that? I don't think it will be as as romantic as it was with Moraine and and Lan now. So, okay. what's the point? Now, here's a big one for me because I don't quite know what to make of this, and I know that. Yeah, Mr. Sanderson actually said, oh, well, they've given Matt the Ashendari already. And there seems to be a little bit of debate as to whether that's actually true or not. But it would certainly, at least to book readers on a first watch of this finale, it would seem like, okay, he's gotten his memories, he's got this spear, and he's very good with it all of a sudden. Are we going to lose foxes and snakes? I think we're going to. Like, uh, I I think, yes, you lose a lot. You lose a particular person in the books for a large chunk. And I've already talked about this, so I'll let you, you remind the audience who we lose. Maureen? Maureen. Yeah. yeah. And she's found again with the, the, the foxes. So, really, for me, like they're not going to get rid of Rosamund Pike. Right. So I think we're gone from that. Now, we still, will, I think we're going to get the fox head medallion. I don't know where. I, it will just be a, an Angrel or Sangrel or Terangrel. They'll just like they'll do some version of it because he needs. He still needs that. He doesn't trust Isodai, so he still needs that power that's going to just render him a bit, kind of. Not to worry about the one power. But how but is I he going to think... find out about the daughter of the nine moons now? I know. I know. I know. Well, because you've got Min and Fortala. Yeah. Okay. See, that's, see like, there is, when you start to think about it, there is jumps and kind of logics. Because we didn't hear about the daughter of the nine moons in this season. Right. Like, I was expecting more about the Shan Chan. I was expecting some of the kind of. Uh, an understanding of like, oh well, we've got the daughter here and the king here, and we're at the. This is what hawk with the the hawkwing, uh, the descendants happen to them and blah 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 blah. Didn't get that very much, so I don't know how much they're going to lean into it. I think we'll get some of it from Min. Min will act as kind of that kind of that, that some of that foretelling aspect of it in my in, in, again what I think but I think I, I think it's gone I think he has it he's been he got a superpowers if you want to call it that yeah. he can now and he got a spear right to a degree to a degree what, the question what, is, is how much the spear or is it the I don't know spear? if it's the spear or not he got a spear and again it's the dagger so I think they might they might replace it maybe they go somewhere in season three and that's where he gets the fox head and the spear 
and that's mm. kind of some of the the, the yeah. treasures that they find. I don't it's... think it is. It's kind of it's just like some wood, the bad posting wood that it has ravens on it. The... It's wood with ravens on it. I didn't see that. It has ravens on it. Look at screenshots of that spear. Because... Someone that you know where I watch my Wheel of Time. I watch my Wheel of Time on the small screen of my laptop. You know that all these details. No, go go, go get miss. a high resolu- resolution image and just zoom in on it on your small screen. You can see your ravens on it. You're giving me extra trouble. I'm giving you extra trouble. Sorry. Yeah. I watch an episode. If I'm um, not seeing anything and I have to zoom in, like uh, I don't know where to zoom in because I'm watching on a big, on a small Priscilla, screen. So it's like a vicious cycle. Priscilla, after all the huge amounts of money that I pay you, you can't do just a little bit of extra work. <laughs> no, um, I send money to poor children. I'm not like you. I don't think he's fully awakened, if you want to call it that, because the the tactician of Matt really only and the the the, dumble, the jumbling of the dice, right? I think that slowly starts to happen in season three, okay. and maybe that's how they kind of he just he was in the heat of the battle and he said he remembered who he is, but because the horns now dissipated and the the, the heroes of the ages are gone. Some of that memory is kind of gone, but it will slowly kind of flash up and down as we need it. Kind of the MacGuffin that it is sometimes. It's a shame, I do think. But again, they might do it. We still haven't got the world of dreams. It happened in book two. We get introduced to dreamers in book two. And we don't have it yet. I don't know if we'll get it. I don't like in book two in the the hunt of the horn. Rand and Lanfear and um, Loyal go through what we essentially think is Tierra and Hood, or the Dream World. I can never yeah. pronounce it again. I've been saying it in my own head for years. Yeah. Um, but they go to the Dream World and they use that to, to get fast track to Kamigo or Karin, sorry. And then we also kind of get um, who do you call it? Lanfear is. The, the the daughter of the night right. she is the, the the queen of dreams nightmares so she uses that a lot it hasn't been introduced so it's it's a hard one to introduce all we've got is that like she took Rand there via yeah the, the out that I see for that and the way that you can bring Rand in on this the way that you can bring Egwene in on this and Egwene can somehow maybe visit Nynaeve and Elaine if they are already separated Yeah, is the wise ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, teaching them about the T word, tell, tell Riyadh. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I'll, I'll try and butcher it just as, uh, as easily as you do. Uh, cause we're not. Yeah. There's definitely someone screaming at the, the mic you're screaming at us right now while listen going, what the, my God, it's blah, 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 blah. So they're like, can you not just say blah, 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 blah? And I'm like, no, yeah. no, I can't. <laughs> Rafe, we're sorry. We know you're yes. listening. We're very sorry. Um, uh, Jim, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Brandon, we're, we're very sorry. Um, so anyway, uh, I, that's the only way that I see that they could introduce it as a whole subject that can, they can spread except for Perrin, 
maybe mm-hmm. because he experiences that stuff also where he's going around um uh who is the the one in the dream world that ends up being Luke or it seems like it's Luke Sir Luke oh Lord Luke. the hunter the hunter oh. yeah, yeah hunter yeah I, I want to see Perrin leap from mountain to mountain I really want to see that because again we just saw a glimpse of it like we saw it it wasn't explained we saw Ran go meet Lanfear in his dream mm-hmm. but they didn't explain that it's like it's a whole world like they didn't do that they just kind of have it almost like it's in his head right like they did and then when they Lanfear took her him to see Egwene they didn't really explain like well actually yeah. it's in the dreams but it's like that's why and with like it made it seem like it's more there. I don't know. It was a weird one for me. And I'm just kind of like, let's see how they get it. But again, they can probably work around it if they need to. But I don't think they will. I think what they'll do is take key aspects of all of it and just kind of dumb some of it down and make it a bit more cinematic like they did with the ways. Sure. You're probably correct about that. I, I just hope that it's introduced in an organic way and it doesn't just seem like, oh, by the way, this was here all along, but you didn't know anything about it. I like discovery in television shows, but I just don't want it to come across as, as it, even though it's not, I don't want it to come across as feeling like a retcon. Oh, by yeah. the way, you could have done this the whole time, you know, or, or whatever. Um, I just want it to be organic in the way that they learn about it. And I feel like Egwene with the wise ones would be the best way to introduce it or to fully explain it. Like you said, it's already been, we, we as book readers know what we've seen, you know, but um, it hasn't been explained to an extent that maybe the wise ones would explain. Hopefully it won't get too expositional, but that, you know, that's, that's always the fear also uh, that every writer has, but I mean, have, uh, isn't there a scene and I can't remember if it's fires of heaven or if it's Lord of chaos where, uh, or I don't think it's as early as the shadow rising, but isn't there a scene where Egwene and somebody have to fight off? Oh, and, or is it Elaine and somebody that they're with other Aes Sedai in Teleron in the dream world. And, and, uh, and, uh, things that they think about that they manifest with their brains can actually hurt them Yes, in in the world. You know, that's one way to add action to that exposition, I guess. Exactly. Because they, they talk about that in this season with the, with the, the, the arches that sometimes people go into the arches and they come at what they get a cut there. Uh, a, a lethal blow and they come back and they're fine and other times it it's like death so again it's that the how deep how much they actually enter the dream world they get there like it's like whether there is death or not and whether they actually go there in in physical body versus not and like but like I'm like you I want to see parent deep hill to hill to hill I want to see him run with the wolves Um, I just don't they might introduce it next season and then really kind of lean in season 4 season 5 maybe again it's hard to see I like the idea of the Luke 
on Hunter because that was always cool when you heard who it was. Right. Um, because you could you could do a whole season of that, not the whole season. You could do a couple of episodes, kind of dragging it out, like who is the hunter in the hood? Oh my god! Oh no! Uh, and then the just new mystery. It. Yeah, exactly. And we're all like, it's that guy, and they're like, shh, you don't know. Ooh, it's nothing there. As you oh, know, you know, I saw I saw a theory that I really like. There is this amazing uh, channel which is the one that I'm now getting stuck to it when I come to Wheel of Time. Uh, it's Road to Tarvalon. Oh, I love them. Seen this channel? I love Amber. It, it's amazing. Amber is amazing. She's the best. And um, she was talking about how when Mogadine and Lumphier are together, are having their face off, that Mogadine actually possibly is already like in the dream world. Like she was like showing, okay, even like there is even the musical cues when uh, Lamphere sees that all the seals are broken, and then like there is like a change in the color of the the color scheme of the scene. Like the colors are vivid when Lamphere is in. And when Mogadin appears, it's almost like it's not, it's black and white and blues. There is no warm of it. So there is like, they're already saying that maybe Lamphere, she thinks that she's the queen of the, the dream world, but Mogadin is supposedly to be even better than her, right? Mogadin is Mogadine not one is of the stronger like, Forsakens in the book. She's not. Yeah, but she's very prepared, and supposedly in this Paired, realm, yes. she is better. Yeah, or at least more subtle, because that's what Ishamayo accuses Lovefear that she's not very subtle with the things. Right. She's very good, but she's not very subtle. Yeah. Yeah, I heard Amber so that, on that. I really like it. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. Yeah, I'm not sure that I agree with it, but I think it's a good theory. Next topic that comes up, and this is one that we can probably roll one of my thoughts and one of your thoughts into at the same time, is the question of Tom Marilyn. What you got on this? I, I, this is, the, this is the, the, the hurt part for me. I love Tom. I love the character of Tom. I love where he goes in the books. I love how he gets there in the books. I don't understand why he's not a recurring character in the show. It's always slightly bugged me. They introduced him. They introduced an actor who is pretty decent in that swagger of a Gleeman. Mm -hmm. And then that's it. I kept expecting more and more and more of him to kind of pop up. Especially in this season when they're in the right. same city. And he was there. Right. But they haven't. And I'm just so curious... Well, is he coming back in season three or is this character dropped? Like, are they dropping he, Tom? Alexander Wilm is coming back to play Tom okay. Marilyn in season three. That WOT series has confirmed that. Uh, and it's in his CV or, or whatever the actors put out. Um, so he is coming back. I think the re only reason that he wasn't in season two and something that may have affected the writing of season two is the fact that at the time, that they were going to film season two of Wheel of Time, he was filming 1899. Oh, okay. So he wasn't available at the time to do it. Now, 
how you get around those kind of contracts. I have no idea. I've never been yeah. an actor or anything like that. I, I know that it's done, but I just don't know how. Uh, but he will be returning. My problem is now, now that it's been a whole season and a half since the last time that we saw the guy, is anybody going to care that he's back? No. Unless he specifically meets up with Matt or with Rand. Um, then that's not going to really work in terms of a big reveal. Oh my gosh, you're alive. Blah, blah. You know, you, you need some kind of realization that he's alive. On the other hand, if he just shows up in Chanchico with Nynaeve and Elaine and starts hanging around them, maybe you could have Elaine remember him from his time with more gays or what have mm -hmm. you like that. Yeah. Um, but other than, but there's no peril as to where's this guy been? What's he been doing? Uh, he didn't, he, we, obviously, we didn't get any of the, the, the killing of the King of Carrion because his girlfriend got killed or any of that stuff. So uh, the way that they fixed that was just say, oh, well, our ruler here is not the king. It's this queen, you know, and so easy fix. They paved over it. But the whole idea of Tom mattering to a television audience, I can't really see. I, was his portrayal in those two episodes in season one so memorable that no. people will say, oh my gosh, it's that guy. He's alive. He survived the fade. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. I think, like, no, because we didn't guess to a degree him training Matt and Rand, showing right. them the flute and the loose. Right. It, you didn't guess the acrobatics part for Matt. And the being kind of the tumbler, and you didn't get the the, <laughs> the essentially a, a lot of the folklore aspects of the stories that the Gleeman tell. Like if they had shown another Gleeman this season, I think you could have kind of lent into it and kind of a bit more. Yeah. And if they had have if they had have had him meet with Rand. And just have like one scene where they meet in a in the the foregate, yeah, in foregate. Yeah. Uh, that could have kind of just kept him in enough because he, he when they first meet in the foregate again in the second book, like Tom is kind of like, who is this sheep herder? And still, you also need to kind of really deep into the gentling of his nephew and and of course where he, his life as a court bard or court yeah court court bard court musician yeah. Yeah. Um, you need to get into all that. So I think I'm interested to see how they'll make him. Eileen, I'm not being too harsh, but relevant. Yeah. Because he's in every, nearly every book he's in. Like he is a core character in the in a, in my view. Well, I he's one of my favorite characters, but at the same time, I think I think to myself, well. The one book that you really, he really does something super important is The Great Hunt. Otherwise, to me, his story is more about either Morgays or Moraine. Yeah. You know, uh, and granted, later on, it, it does matter, but it, it's still, it's kind of like, well, now you're going to put him back in? What are you, you going to give him to do? And again, he can travel with Nynaeve and Elaine for a little while, as he does. Um, or he travels with Matt, or we get the everyone. He turns out he was in Falm, and the like, opening of the next season is he was there, and he's like, "What the hell did I just witness? Yeah. I am now following you people because I am a Gleeman and I want this tale." I, yeah, 
and he follows everyone. And then they split up and... Ooh, him and Asmodia might have a fight over who's the better bard. <laughs> Again, we could see... I'd love to see how Rafe broke this story. That's what I... If, yeah. if the one thing I, I ask is, if this never fully... This does not finish. If they don't finish the book series in TV, I want to see how he broke it. I want to see the series whiteboard for sure. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, that that will tell me how that writer's room thought of each of the characters and where they kind of put them together. Did you miss Tom Marilyn in season two based on his storyline in The Great Hunt or The Dragon yeah. Reborn? No. Really? I don't miss Tom Marilyn, no. What I missed uh, was the effect he had in Rand and Matt more because I really liked I really uh, I'm I, maybe I'm too emotional but I really liked that they like Rand was thinking about becoming a musician so the whole thing which is like it's just a tiny detail I know in the first book. And and he he moves forward the second book that where he get, he earns some money playing, right? Yeah, uh, and I really like that. And this is all because of Tom Marilyn. So in this sense, yeah. But since this effect disappeared in the series, we never see him teaching. Then I didn't I didn't miss him. Yeah, because that was for me what was the best. Do you think anyone will care? When he comes back in season three, will they even remember him? Of course they will remember him. He was hot. Oh, okay. Okay. That's always the reason for you for everything. So shallow. As Bubba said in the last <laughs> podcast, so shallow, Priscilla. Oh. No. So you just want hot musicians around you all the time, right? I'm a musician, yeah. but I'm not hot, so that don't I don't qualify. <laughs> Forsaken, uh, going from thirteen mm -hmm. to eight. You cool with that? I know we talked a little bit about this before. Yeah, but what about the late Forsakens? I know that there there are some Forsakens. There are like repeat cards, so to speak. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Uh, I can tell you as a later book reader, that, and you've probably already heard this from other people, but they did bring a lot of Moradin's stuff uh, into mm -hmm. the Ishmael character early, mm -hmm. you know, so that it feels, it feel you can feel them being the one and the same. Now, will they bring Moradin mm -hmm. back? I almost feel like they got to bring five back right he's just too good looking and he's too good an actor but i don't know if it Fight will be finest. until the end of the season but or the end of the series how, I mean. are they going to de-age him that would be funny yeah i don't know i don't know how they'll do it but they got to bring him back somehow Never, no, I know. not in season three i know though. they are going to paint a mustache on him this is what <laughs> uh, let, let me tell you this is what they used to do, like in telenovelas in Brazilian telenovelas and the like, when they uh -huh. wanted to, like, ah, this guy is like, is a guy, is a, there is a character that is actually pretending to be another one, or is hiding his true identity. So they will always have like some mustache or 
even worse put a glasses on it was like oh my god who are you i don't i don't know you <laughs> or faking the death faking that fake deaths are also very good it is a it, it's an interesting choice to go from 13 to 8 and actually you go from 13 to 7 by the end of the season if they don't bring one of them back, which they, they probably don't will, them. but who would do? Um, and like, unless they're gonna, the only thing I can think of is they do the Pat and Fane change mm. proper in season three and make him his own agent of chaos, and that's how they kind of you've got the eight, well, you've got seven, now you've got this agent of chaos in the side, which is Pat and Fane. Patton and Fade is one of the most underserved characters yes. in the book series and in the television series, in my opinion. Um, the sniff, the sniffing aspect, the the book in the book two where they he explains how he was tore apart and put back together yeah. time and time and time again. Every winter when he would disappear from Emmons Field and go back to um, the Blight, he was tore apart again put back together his memory stole like he was suffering and then you see that smile when he comes back as the suave the peddler he's a great actor in this series yeah like he, he has that horrible charismatic smile that you expect from the peddler in the books yeah, yeah. don't have the craziness yet which is the part i was missing right yeah, but anyway, sorry. Back to the Forsaken. <laughs> so, do you do you have? We know, we've already seen, Mogidian. Yeah, we've heard, Grendel mentioned. Mm. So we've got Lanfear, Grendel, and and Mogidian. Um, got any speculation on who the boys are? Pretty much, I think are the ones that they're going to do, which is mm. as you said, Ravin, Samuel, and Demondred. Like those. Those all have big enough parts to play in the whole Especially book. if they were to do, and we've heard also from WOTseries.com, there's a possibility that uh, another Forsaken has been cast already, a male. Is it possible that we could have Ravine already in Camelon when we go to visit Elida? Yes. Or Ravine, or sense. however you say his name. Yeah, because, yeah, no, that, that, and if you're bringing Elaine going back to Andor to see her mom and you introduce all those characters and you introduce the mother being acting crazy and being whispered to and controlled and compul compulsion, that's cool. Like, and then, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that's, that's how you would do it. I, I think they may combine some of the Forsaken storylines, but I just don't know how, because again, it's 13. They're not doing the Dark One seals. Like, as, the, as a whole, they're not doing right. the Dark One seals. Right. They're doing that they were sealed in their own seals, versus right. they were at, like, the different tectonic layers of the seals breaking on this tunnel right. down into the center of the Dark One's prison. Um, So... I think what they'll do is just kind of whoever has the greatest impact on a storyline, they'll put them together and put them and they'll have to, you'll have to have each of them go against one of the main characters. 
Like, that's how you do it. So yeah. maybe we don't get the Hunter. We don't get Luke. Maybe we get a different Forsaken going yeah. after Perrin. And you, because you then, then you don't have to worry about introducing another Forsaken and explaining it. True. But it's like, the as I said, with the prophecies. They didn't explain the prophecies too much in this season. Right. So I think if you go deep into, I use the joke, Basel Exposition, where you have this conversation where you're just pretty much explaining it to, a, to the audience, but you have a character explain to another character, the, like they spell it out for them. Right. You do, these are the prophecies and these are the forsaken, the evil dark one. And we now know who the Balsamon is. We now know that this was not the dark one. This was uh, Ishmael. And then we know Lanfear is there. So there's these are the other ones. These are have to worry about. Um, I think that's what they'll do. They are putting a lot of effort making the villains feel more like human beings or at least have motivations. They're intelligent and uh, act in ways that you can move the plot. Uh, so the villains are very... They feel that they not only belong to the world, but like their grievances. We understand their grievances and they feel interesting. They feel compelling. Uh, it's not, they are, they are not just there just to antagonize because they want to antagonize, but they have their own agenda. And I really like that. It, I think it's one of the ways you can make uh, a series more appealing is to lean on on the villains uh, to make the story um feel more like honest and legitimate like um so i'm not there yet but i heard a lot about the forsaken and what they are and what they are not and like the most common complaint that i hear is like they are mostly underdeveloped because there are so many there are so many storylines and they you have hints of what they could be or what kind of things they could do sometimes but most of the times it doesn't go uh, it doesn't come to fruition so my thinking is since they are like making this effort to one simplifying storylines to making them more compelling as uh, characters as villains it's going to be reduced and combined in there, which is basically the same questions as before, but additions to the villains. Yeah, yeah. Combine combining some of the Forsaken. Um, yeah, can make them which multi-dimensional. We know, yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. So you think like Lamphere, for instance? They they I, they they were successful in what they did. She's not the crazy ex-girlfriend only yes she no she's like yeah I, I i want my dragon back but i want my dragon back at full force Woo-hoo! let's go go rand landfear uh is not just a crazy ex ishi is not just a madman mm-hmm. um you know mogadine uh to be determined but uh given that performance i'm really looking forward to what they do in tanchico i think that'll be really fun mm-hmm. uh and okay. i don't i think that if you spent that much time with 13 of those guys and spent and put Did that much know? into it it'd be too much um yeah 
And if you've only got eight seasons of a television show to do max, I've heard mm -hmm. possibly so only seven, you've got to reduce that number down. But by doing so, it's actually making them make these villains more interesting because who doesn't love yeah. an interesting villain? Everybody loves an interesting villain. And yeah. you're right. What you have heard, I believe too, is that many of the forsaken and even some of the dark, uh, even a lot of the dark friends, Leandrin's a perfect example from this season. Leandrin was expanded mm -hmm. upon so beautifully and she's very much one dimensional in the book series to me. So, mm -hmm. um, I love that they're doing, they're concentrating on that just so long as it never comes at the cost of our main characters. But do you think that from the combinations we are getting, um, and this is, a, I don't know, but I heard that there, there is unused material from Brandon Sanderson, like that uh, Robert Jordan was planning. It might have snuck into season three. It might have yeah, snuck okay. into season three, but okay. I don't know if Rafe's ever going to talk to Brandon Sanderson again after this last thing. <laughs> How are they condensing things, right? So it's already established. We have two seasons uh, behind us. So they are not book to book, which would be impossible due to the limitations, uh, Amazon limitations. And anyway, it w I don't think it would work. It would like, let's be honest. Agreed. Um, so they are like kind of focusing on keeping the main characters interesting. And in go in doing that, they are like combining their plots. So we are seeing some characters with plots they're like more advanced, like in book three or book four, now in the second season, because sec uh, the second book, there is not that much going on, like Moraine. Uh, there is not much going on with the character Moraine. Uh, in, the, in the books, they are mostly being adapted right now, so they kind of like made things up bring up uh, things from the prequel, uh, elements from the prequel, some new stuff, uh, enhance some other stuff, and bring up some elements from later. So if they keep doing that, which I think it makes sense, going through, going to season three, what plots do we think that they are going to do the same thing? Meaning, what plots they are, they are going to pick up for pairing, let's say. Pairing maybe doesn't have much to do here. What plots are they going to bring forward from like uh, a previous book that they left behind or a book that is in the future or Matt, for instance, because Matt is the one that you're more concerned about the, the whole thing, how he got his memories, what they are going to condense to this plot line now. Yeah, I think Matt is a bigger concern for me because Perrin has plenty to do in book four. Yeah. He's not in, he's not really at all that much in book five. So mm -hmm. uh I think they could pretty much just stick Perrin with with book four stuff. My concern with the whole okay. spear and the memories thing with Matt was that that's kind of his book four and five stuff. So I have no yeah, idea what they're going to do with Matt. Yeah. It, don't, don't you think that they are going to progress his storyline there? 
because that's what they are doing. They are not going like book, book, book. No, let's let's focus on the characters. So there is something interesting for Moraine in, in the prequel. Let's bring back. There is something interesting for Moraine in book four. Let's bring four. Let's bring here. So maybe they are doing the same to match, just the opposite way. Instead of like going back, they are going forward with the Matt yeah. storyline. The so problem that I have is that Matt storyline. The problem that I have is that Matt storyline is also really strange, right? I mean, we've got that stuff with him back at the tower, mm-hmm. but he's already learned good. His memories have given him good stuff with the staff so we don't need that he does do a little bouncing around mm-hmm. like the camelin and whatever like the first chapter or the first episode is going to be titled after but there's not a lot there either and then matt doesn't really come into his own until about book six which is after rand has done all this stuff with the Eel, and then matt's general mm-hmm. stuff, him being a good general really comes forward so could I, I don't mm-hmm. know who Matt could be fighting to prove his good general stuff. Mm-hmm. So weird for me. Okay. I don't I can't figure him out. Unless him and Tom Marilyn just go around on a on a spree. That would be fine. I'd be fine with that. Do you, I hate it to say it, but do you think they're going to split the pairing storyline with Matt? Perhaps. I want to see Gaul. I want to see that whole thing between Gaul and and Chiad. I, I we can get Alana and Varen there in the two rivers with Perrin, so they've mm-hmm. got something to do. Maybe Matt also there. Yeah, I understand that, but I, it doesn't. There's still nothing for Matt sense. to do. There's nothing um, okay. unless he does. And well, now wait a minute. What? If he's got his general stuff <gasps> in his head, he can help Parent. He can help Parent out with the general stuff against the Trollocs and against the White Cloaks. That would work. You're right. If he went, to, if he went to Edmonds Field with Parent, that would actually work. I I, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Chris, I want to thank you so much for your time. I know it's very valuable, and I really appreciate you making it for Bustin' Blockbusters podcast. As always, your guys' work on tvpodcastindustries.com is excellent. I encourage all of our listeners and YouTube viewers to go check out all of their podcasts covering a wide variety of shows, all of them good. How do you guys not pick stinkers? I, I When I go to pick shows, I always pick stinkers. But you guys choose great show after great show after great show. It just goes to prove you all have better taste than me, which is fine. There is the story of Jupiter Circle. For me, that one of my favorite comic books of all time. And that show on Netflix, we watched ahead of schedule. And we just went, nope. Just plain up, nope. <laughs> we, but we that's got the, the thing. Preview. You guys know how to get out before you got in. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm halfway in. I'm kind of like, oh, I quit. You know, so because, you know, I'm I'm a lazy podcaster. I don't do this for a living, folks. But if you do want to send me, if you do want to pay me, uh, you can do it. You can do it by paying me uh, in feedback. You can send tweets to Bus Blockbuster uh, or X posts or some non-pornographic way of saying that. Is there? I don't know. <laughs> but 
the site formerly known as Twitter. Uh, yes, that's why like. I'm kind of doing it. It's the site formerly known as Twitter or yeah. Twitter, Twitter, Jason's best friend. And if you want to talk to Chris, how can they do that with you? You can head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com. We have all our links there. We You can follow us on each and every good and evil podcast catcher. Um, you just search TV Podcast Industries. We have uh, we have individual kind of streams for each of our main shows, but there's also just the main feed. Uh, and you head to TV Pod Industries uh, on site formerly known as Twitter, or head on over to our Facebook group because that is still a thing where we have a load of fellow industrialists or groups of people that just chat about each of the shows. And we have individual spoiler posts for each post of our show, each episode. You head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries, and you can just join us there. Uh, and it's good fun. It's good, just genuine fun. If you like a show, tell us what you thought. If you don't like a show, tell us what you thought. We may disagree. We That's the fun part. But it's always a good rollicking discussion point. Let's put it that way. He sounds like he said that before. Almost like it's trained in to be. Can we get the feedback out of the monitors, please? So, some lovely feedback. That's a big one. From Daniel Broom, 5690. It was actually in two different comments, but on the same YouTube, uh, our our wrap-up part two Mm -hmm. uh, that we did with Baba, and said... Yeah. Daniel Broom, 5690, says a lot of season two seemed to be a course correction from season one. That's probably why I liked it so much more. As bad as season one was, at least this was moving in the right direction overall. My next season prediction, we well know that they are going to the threefold land. I very much doubt that they'll cut the Stone of Tear or Kalandor. Hmm. That would have been. Uh, that would that's have to you. be early in the season, though that's where Rand would find the sword and the Aiel head off with them and Egwene and Matt to the Waste. Okay, so let's stop there. I disagree. I think they can drop Tyr and Kalandor completely for now and return back to it later when it becomes more important in the books than it is in book three because he's already killed ishmael he uses it to kill ishmael in the end of book three right so we don't need him to mm-hmm. have calendar to do that he kind of had his own calendar it was a bright blade it wasn't calendar but i think it was supposed to be uh just kind of an homage to that to that whole ending of ishmael at the end of book three so I don't think we need Tyr because the only thing that happens there is he kind of gathers people to him. He can do that at Falma. And you don't you don't need mm-hmm. Chris brought up the prophecy thing. I think that that's uh important thing about whether how much they're going to actually follow the prophecies. But with a different prophecy coming in every book, it's really going to be hard to cut storylines and condense books. So I think this is one that they can just kind of take off and we can say okay the people came to him at falma instead of tear and here you go off to roidian we go there's no mention of tear by rafe uh in any of the things that he said since uh-huh. season two aired so i think that tear is gone i think that calendar is gone until Rand needs it later 
Daniel Brew 5690 says, I think they'll cut the first door Tiangriol, which is actually at the tower, um, uh, because the show did already fill Matt's heads with memories. Um, but I think they'll keep the second doorway in Ruidian. I'm not sure how they'll deal with Lanfear in season three. They might save her stuff in Ruidian for season four, but I think they did foreshadow her showdown with Moraine and the doorway when Lanfear threw Moraine through the doorway to Falm in season two. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that. But the doorway thing, um, they have to find in Ruidian anyway. I just don't think Matt's going to be there. Uh, and the thing about the the uh, that doorway, I mean, there are a lot of things like the Daughter of the Nine Moons that happen in these doorways with the foxes and snakes. And foxes and snakes becomes a big thing to Matt in, as the books go on. So I hate that they, they're dismissing this storyline, but it seems like they've already given him everything except the medallion and everything except some of those questions regarding the Shan Chan they've given him, he can get those in other ways. Um, so I don't know if we need doorway and I don't know if we need Matt in Viridian. I hope it's there. I hope that happens. I agree with you. I think that that's what they should do, but I don't think that that's what they're going to do. Daniel Broom 5690 continues by saying Rafe is a confident showrunner, but not, exceptional in my opinion he really doesn't know how to kill the his darlings as the writers say he can't make cuts that he needs to improve the story this is pretty evidence with how much preference he is giving to his favorite characters even if they weren't ones who needed the most time Egwene did need that time this season to be fair because it is a large part of her arc her relationship with the Shanshan, definitely. Uh, but it's probably going to continue next season as she doesn't do that much in book three and only does a bit in book four. I think we're beyond any book three stuff. To me, it mostly there might be a hint of something or another, but I think they've already introduced the important elements with the IEL coming in. And um, I, I don't think that we need much more book three stuff. I do think we definitely, we obviously are getting a lot of book four stuff. And I think with the mention of Ruidian, then you got to think basically you need a lot of book five stuff as well. And if you're talking Tanchico, you really need book five stuff. So I think that book three stuff for Egwene is gone. It doesn't really matter, except for the fact that again, we have those shots of Rafe answering questions at Jordan Con on the Arches set. So Elaine at least gets raised to accepted. I can't remember if Egwene gets raised to accepted or not. I think she does. Um, and we still need to meet Galad and Gawain. Gowan? Gawain? How do you say that name, Priscilla? Gowan. Gowan? Okay. We need to meet him. Gowan? So, Galad and Gowan. Um, I've heard a yeah, but they were mentioned. No, just one, just one more mention. Just, just one, one was mentioned this season. So that's yeah. that would be weird for me because their storylines go so far apart. On that same podcast episode, 
Glenn 9593 says, my theory is that season three will still be boring. Glenn, I'm sorry that you found uh, seasons one and two boring, but I think that Priscilla is here to remind you that as long as you have shirtless men swinging swords, everything will be fine. No, I don't care about short swords. Just just shirtless shirt, men. Shirtless, just, shirtless yeah. part. Yeah. Just, just I shirtless just land. want to see more. I just want to see more love on the screen. You see, just, I'm really, I'm really leaning on now. I, that, that's my my tagline right now. So you're shipping Lan and Nynaeve hard, and you need. I'm more, not shipping anybody. You're not shipping anybody. You just need you just need more male body parts shown on screen, not necessarily peeing. I'm willing to uh, to to see where the story goes with an open mind, except that I'm not a bloodthirsty uh, enthusiast like Baba is, well, and um, and like I happen to like some some like beauty in my my tiny screen she wants I'm completely joking okay i'm just joking because they are taking the piss out of me she wants character development as in the abs get tighter the arms get stronger and bigger character development you see it, they cannot stop Matt, you cannot stop i just mentioned that bart was good looking once and then <laughs> For our part one wrap up, uh, Nathan Brem, ten eighty five says the fact that they had Moraine proclaim the dragon instead of following the source material tells you everything. It makes the prophecy irrelevant. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. Feel, I don't feel that, but prophecies can be misinterpreted and everything. Just look at the way they did men with uh, Matt with the with the dagger. You know, Matt did stab Rand with the dagger, but they're stabby, stabby. Yeah, but it wasn't in the way that she saw it in her vision. Tiger thirty five JB says season two didn't suck as bad as season one, but it still sucked. Oh, no. oh. Well, hopefully you enjoyed no. our coverage of it. Uh, because you listen to it. Uh, so we appreciate yeah. you doing that. Uh, we do appreciate your comments, even if they are negative. Everyone so is entitled. You're to always opinion. adding something. Yeah. yeah. E everyone. No, is that's what I say. Because at least you're adding something. It's very bad, like just to bring people down. Like season two didn't suck as bad as season one, but it still sucked. This is our opinion. Right. Uh, we asked the question in a poll. Should Bubba start hating on the Wheel of Time books? Hopefully he won't, but maybe he will. No, reading. Uh, should, should we recommend him read these books so that he could uh, comment about the lack of violence in them just as much as he does about the lack of violence in the television show? And uh, actually, 69.2% of the people that we polled said, do not read the books, Bubba. Uh, or do not just jump in on book four. They like Actually. Baba the way Baba is trying to dress up his need for something bloody happened. I was like, nothing happened. They were just at the beach. 
they were not doing anything. Just keep moving. I want the story to move. No, yeah. We'll continue to have thoughts during the off season as uh, the Wheel of Time continues. And don't forget that Priscilla and I will likely be back to talk about uh, the Rings of Power when it returns uh, in 2024. The Rings of Power. I just have one. She just has one ring of power. Ah, And she uses it very well. Yeah. Um, Yes. And we are going to see the Rings of Power the next season of the Rings of Power. That's what I heard. Right on. So finally, Priscilla, uh, you will be covering that. Anything else you're going to be covering on your YouTube channel? That's youtube.com slash at Priscilla TV one in the foreseeable future. Well, I just have to organize a wrap up like a video about wheel of time. I thought I would do like maybe next week. Afterwards, I don't know. Uh, usually I, I appear out of nowhere once a month, just ramble about something I watched or do a, uh, the usual recommendation of series that nobody but me watches, which is also fine until Rings of Power comes. Then I will be faithfully covering every week. But I don't know. Uh, the boys, I like. I really like the boys, but I haven't watched the the present series right now. Are you watching it, the Generation V? I am watching it. I am watching it. Uh, How is it going? But I haven't watched the latest episode. I'm on. I've finished the first six episodes. I haven't started episode seven yet. I've really liked it. I mean, I liked it a lot. I like. Think I like it better than the boys. Whoa. You know what? Because like with series like The Boys, what I usually do, or like uh, Last Kingdom or Vikings, what I usually do, I binge watch and then I do like uh, a monthly recap. So I just do like a one hour video live discussing with people the whole series. So that's what I do. Uh, But I don't think they're going to have a new Vikings next year. So... And uh, with the boys, I was doing that. I did that with the the, the seasons, which was fine because uh, there are some seasons that you want to watch, but not every week. So at Bust Blockbuster on the uh, site formerly known as Twitter, and Matt's audio blog at gmail.com and uh, youtube.com slash at the word double the letters P H Q. And yeah, that's it for me. And your channel, uh, as you said, you'll be chiming in every once in a while, just keeping people up to date with what you've been watching, what you've been seeing. Uh, she is on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Priscilla TV one. But thank you for the Gen, uh, Gen V recommendation. Maybe I should watch it. If you, if you like better than the boys, that's like high praise in my book. It's still just as gross, but I like these characters better. This has been Busted Blockbuster. See ya.
emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com and find all back episodes and other information at mattsaudioblog.com. Part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com.